Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little bit about our favorite NBA team, and still number one in the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat. So the current mood is, is a little black because, you know, really bad loss last night that we'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, overall, still optimistic. It's still been a great season. It was still a one-of-one one week, so it's not like Miami lost too much ground per se. They didn't have a losing week. They just uh, kind of treaded water. But first off, to go back, uh, so yeah, this was a week that Miami had a lot of rest. It was great. They had like two days off between uh, both of the games. Yeah, three games in seven nights, so... A lot of rest for the Heat, but to go back to last Friday, that was our first game of the week. It was a game that Miami hosted the Oklahoma City Thunder to finish off their seven-game homestand in a game that they won 120 to 108. Puts the means that the Heat swept the Thunder in the season series 2-0. Yeah. But uh, this was also a game that Miami would be without both Jimmy Butler and Victor Oladipo, which gives. It gave Butler ended up having five nights of rest off in Oladipo. He would end up being out the Sixers game as well, so he's getting like a week off for, for him as well. So just, again, trying to emphasize the idea, lots of rest. But for the game on Thursday, Jimmy Butler's out, Victor Oladipo's out, but you're going up against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander, their best player, ended up playing for this game, but they were still without their second and third best player uh, by minutes and by points per game. So... Uh, and that, they were a very good team to begin with. So, yeah, everything was still in Miami's favor, even with Butler and Oladipo out. Which, thankfully, they capitalized, and in much a better fashion than they did against the Pistons uh, last Tuesday, where they the Pistons were in that game and had some things broke the other way, they could have won it. Like, nah. This one, Miami pretty much kind of stomped the mess out of them. So they got out to an early lead behind Duncan Robinson, 11 points to start out the game. Um, however, Shea Gilders-Alexander, SGA for the Thunder, had 10 of his own to help get it pretty close. So the Heat actually ended up leaving the first quarter only up 27-26. to 26. And the second quarter as well was pretty tightly contested early on until Miami pulled ahead on a 16-2 run, just outscoring by 14. And eventually the Heat coasted to a 69-54 to halftime lead, so they're up 15. Then third quarter comes around, Heat just continued to pour it on. They pushed the lead up to 26, about halfway through the third quarter, behind Kyle Lowry, 11 points, and pretty much cruised from there, Heat up 103-79, to so a 24-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And then just the fourth quarter itself, kind of a snoozer. The Thunder pretty much just started peeling away starters. Like Once it got to about the nine-minute mark, it's like, all right, Switch this starter out. A few minutes later, switch that one out. And rather than do like a mass bench substitution like you would normally see when you're calling it quits, the Thunder just kind of did piece by piece um, until, you know, Miami just coasted. The lead never got below 15 until it was the garbage time at the end, which is how it ended up being a 12-point win for the Heat. But the big things that stood out to me, like I said, in comparison to that Pistons game where this is an inferior team that was allowed to hang around in there, the Heat took care of business uh, last Friday against, again, same thing, like an inferior team, but then making sure that they had no real chance in the game at all. But uh, other standouts, Tyler Hero, team high, 26 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists on 9 of 13 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, got his double digits in the second quarter, 12 this time. But yeah, it was it was a continuation of the trend of just Tyler Hero being an elite-level scorer. I uh, wonder if that will continue on to the next game, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. But for this game itself, 
just, yeah, doing what he's done all season and up to that level that he's been since the All-Star break. Uh, outside of him, Bam Adebayo, 19 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists on a really efficient 8 of 10 from the field, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, and tied for a team high of plus 25, so just crushing the thunder on both ends. And then lastly, uh, Kyle Lowry, who has been a bit quiet offensively throughout the month of March so far, but really had it going last Friday. 16 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists on 6 of 9 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, so that shot was going. Uh, 0 of 1 for the free throw line, but that's fine. And then tied as well. He was the one that tied Bam for a team high plus 25. But yeah, outside of like some good performances, there wasn't a, a ton really to take away from this just because of where the Thunder are uh, at this point in the season. So yeah, get the win, move on to the next. So Miami would have Saturday, Sunday off, and then they would have a game at the Philadelphia 76ers on Monday. Uh, it was a game that they lost, 106-113, but they should not have lost is the, the big takeaway there. So not only was Philadelphia on the second night of a back-to-back, but this is also a game that they were without both of their best players, Joel Embiid and James Harden. So on Miami's side, the Victor Oladipo was out, uh, but Jimmy Butler was back. And Miami had two days of rest versus the 76ers coming off a of back-to-back. They're, like, just can't even sugarcoat it. They should not have lost this game with the advantages they had going into it, combined with the sense of urgency the Heat should have had going into this game. They, they, if they had won this game, that pretty much would have sent the 76ers down to the 4-5 matchup and almost cemented Miami as the first. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But uh, for this game itself, like I said, they lost 106-113. That means that we end up tied with the 76ers 2-2 in the best of four series. So like in the event that we tie for record, it goes to other tiebreakers. So yeah, like I said, for, for Miami, Old Depot was out. But um, we had but Jimmy Butler for the Sixers, no Harden, no Embiid. So the game itself ended up being extremely tightly contested practically throughout the entire game, which is the very maddening part of it. It was just this tension the entire time, like back and forth in the first quarter. It pretty much established like the Sixers weren't going to go away. Like they weren't just going to roll over and take it. So even more that Miami should have come up with a better sense of urgency and just smacked them. Because, again, like, no MV, no Harden, you should smack this team. Um, but the Heat were up 32-26 at the end of the first quarter. However, just, again, they could not pull away in the second. Part of it was Tyler Hero struggling a lot, uh, especially in the second quarter, which is where we're usually used to him scoring double digits to help prop up the offense in the second. That just wasn't there. So it ended up, again, just being really tightly contested. Heat down 56-57 at the halftime. The third quarter was a lot of the same. Like You would think with a coach like Spolster, you would have come out with whatever adjustments needed to be made to, to put away what has turned out to be a very scrappy, underhanded Sixers team. But no, it was a bit same thing. Still close throughout the third. No team getting any separation at all. Heat could not pull away. They couldn't even keep the lead. They were still down 78-80 to 80 going into the fourth. And still in it, like... We were down to about four minutes left. The Heat are down 101 to 103. Like, they're still in this game. And then Tyrese Maxey for the 76ers goes off on a self-powered 9-0 run that pretty much sealed the game throughout the last few minutes. So, yeah, no way to sugarcoat this. One of the worst losses of the season. Like, I, I looked through, 
and all the losses the Heat have had, it's like, okay, all right, Timberwolves. Well, okay, Timberwolves have been playing really well lately. Bucks or Celtics or like Raptors, where we it was a five what was it five game sorry four games and five nights, and two of those were to the Raptors, coupled with a game to the Celtics that were really hot at the time. Like the worst loss I could find that would be maybe comparable to this, given the circumstances, will be the Hawks back in January. Or maybe before that, the Kings at the start of January. So, like, it's legitimately up there. And then also just the fashion in which Miami got beat. They pretty much got beat the same way that they were beating other teams back in December, which is you go, you're coming into us and you think, oh, we're understaffed, we're undermanned, but we're going to pull we're gonna pull some shooting out of our ass out of the, the deepest parts of our bench, and just, wow, this random scrub player is going to, like, our, our Max Struess or Gabe Vincent that other teams would view as scrub players start going off, and the next thing you know, we won the game. Like, that was what we were running the table with in December, and that's how we kept turning out the wins. And we got, like, you would think from being on that side of it that you would learn to watch out for it on other teams, but nah, not last night. Like, the Heat got beat at their own game. They went in against what they saw as an undermanned team and fell into the exact same trap that they caught other teams with earlier in the season. The biggest example of which, I hope I'm saying this name right, uh, Furkan Korkmaz. This was a guy that has played in three of the last eight games. Not because like he was injured or anything like that, just no. Like Literally, Doc Rogers was like, nope, I'm not playing this guy. And one of those other games that he did play, he played for like a minute, and then another one was like 14 minutes. So just to say, like, this guy was buried in the bench, not playing at all. He came out against Miami and had 18 points. Like, how do you, how do you let a dude like that do that to you? Like, the part where Tyrex Maxey went off, I can understand that. I actually view him pretty highly and think there's a good bit of potential there. But the Korkmaz of it all... Like, that, that's where you should have cut that shit off, and this wouldn't even have been a game. Like, Maxi could have gone off for however many more, but it wouldn't have mattered if he didn't have the support scoring from, you know, the more, like, deep bench players that they had. But the other things that was biting Miami, uh, fortunately, Tyler Hero, this is a really bad game for him. Hopefully something he could bounce back from. Only 10 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, uh, 5-15 from the field, 0-3 from 3, so that wasn't going for him. 0 for 0 at the line, so couldn't draw fouls, and just getting hunted on defense, which if he's not giving you the offense and he's getting hurt, he's hurting you on defense, you know, that that is a, one of those scenarios, like, Ty, Hero has to provide the offense to counteract for how for what he's giving up on the other end, which, yeah, just wasn't able to do that night, but... Overall, I do believe in what looks like a step up in Tyler Hero since the All-Star break. So I think he'll bounce back from this without issue. But yeah, just didn't have a go that night. Uh, who did have a go that night was our big three. Bam Adebayo with 22 points, Kyle Lowry with 20 points, and Jimmy Butler with 27 points. They, the three of them, looked really good together. It was just the, the supporting cast wasn't there enough but on both ends of the floor to help uh, secure that win. So, with the recaps out of the way, I just wanted to go over some minor observations that I saw just over the last week, even though we only had two games. Uh, first of which looked to be Kyle Lowry starting to heat up, pun intended, with uh, his scoring. So, it had been a criticism earlier in the month how Lowry seemed to be more like playmaking, and one of the, the hypotheses at the time was, 
all right, maybe he's just trying to conserve everything he has until the playoffs and he'll start ramping up as we get closer. If that is the case, last week was an encouraging sign because in the two games, he scored pretty well and scored pretty efficiently and shot really well with volume, which is one of the things that we've been kind of looking for all season. Larry has seemed more content to be more the playmaker. Maybe that's what he has to do at this stage of his career. So we'll just have to see how it looks over the next week. So other observation that was adventurous, uh, I didn't mention this with the recaps, but Dwayne Dedman, though not injured, did not play any minutes at all in the last week, which one of the things that we looked at at the time was maybe if Dedman was injured because of a potential lower back problem that happened around the All-Star break. So one of the ideas at the time was, all right, well, with Morris back, Morris can kind of be like a small ball five, so maybe you can get Dedman some rest that way and ended up being what happened over the last week, where Markeith Morris ended up being Bam's backup for both games. And it actually, to degrees, looked somewhat effective. I'm left wondering if this is maybe something that Spolstra is trying to work out as a potential lineup that he could do in the playoffs. I'm not convinced necessarily. Like I think this is like a double whammy kind of thing. Like On the one hand, Demi needs rest, and on the other hand, we kind of need to see, since we haven't had him for most of the season, we need to see how Morris looks as like a small ball five. So let's take a look. Let's not kill two birds with one stone kind of thing. So it has looked effective, and then Deadman is getting rest, although I do think at the end of the day that it's still, in most matchups, it's going to be uh, Dwayne Deadman as the backup. So, like, for example, Monday would have been a great game to either do Deadman or even pop the pop out Omir Yurtseven just because Miami was getting absolutely slammed on the boards against the Sixers, partially because Morris just isn't quite tall enough, especially against, like, a DeAndre Jordan, who Jordan at his stage of the career is quite bad, but he's still a big body and can out-rebound somebody that's smaller than him, whereas somebody like a Yurtseven that's a legit seven-footer maybe, or Deadman, if he was healthy enough, could have helped to prevent that rebounding edge. So, yeah, maybe Spo tried to get a little too cute uh, Monday and it came back to bite us. But the experiment still looks like a success. And then the other thing, the, the observation, was just Jimmy Butler looking pretty good after getting about a week off. So, yeah, 27 points, not quite the best efficiency, and he went 0-3 from 3. Don't quite know why he was trying to take three of them. I think if I remember correctly, they were kind of in the flow or late shark clock, something like that. But mainly just uh, looked good outside of, obviously, the three-point problems, but that's nothing new there. So really, though, what I wanted to talk about this week was how Miami can lock up the first seed and then hopefully maybe get some rest for a game or two before the playoffs. So first, let's take a look at the standings at the moment. So again, this is relative to the Heat because... You know, we're number one in the conference. We have 10 games left, so we're in the last eighth of the season. But Miami currently first at 47-25, and 25, and then there are three teams that are all tied two and a half games back, so this is seeds two through four. Two and a half games back of where the Heat are. These are the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Celtics, who have climbed up from, like, playing all the way up to the upper echelon. But after that, in the fifth seed, kind of hanging by themselves, four and a half games back where the Heat are, Chicago Bulls. In the sixth to seventh seed, this part hasn't changed actually from last week. The sixth to seventh seed, which are six to seven games back where the Heat are, the Cavs and the Raptors. So kind of hanging around each other. And then the eight through ten, they're actually kind of 
close together. These are teams that are 9 to 11.5 games back where the Heat are. Nets 9 games back, Hornets 10 games back. So the Hornets are kind of getting close to the Nets right now. And then the Hawks at 11.5 games back. So, with those standings in mind, let's take like a rough look at uh, the Heat's remaining 10 games. So, it's actually kind of a fun pattern, but we have four games at home, then three games on the road, then two games at home, then one game on the road, and that's how we finish out the season. So, of those games, the ones that I would say that Miami like should win, like in this, through a combination of like sense of urgency and just you should be able to capitalize upon this team and secure this win. Uh, the Warriors, which we'll get to as we look ahead later on. The Knicks, the Kings, which those three are all within the next week. And then the Magic at the end of the season. That's our last road game, the one road game we have. And then I would say at least one of Hornets or Hawks, which are which are those la- in that last two road games that we have at the end of the season. So with that, that would be five wins right there. Or essentially, I think at worst, Miami breaks even goes five and five the rest of the way, which would have them at 52 and 30 at worst. So just to take a look at the rest of the games, though. The biggest difficulty is definitely going to be that three game road trip where we're going to be at Celtics, at Bulls, at Raptors. That's all next week. So I'll break it down a bit more then. But just to say, like, that that part's kind of looming. So. Miami could, in theory, use this next week to help pad away, be ready to take some hits the following week in that three-game road trip, and then use the the end of their schedule um, to essentially either get the last few wins they need. So, again, the last part of their schedule would be Hornets, Hawks, and Magic. All of those are winnable. It's just a matter of how badly Miami needs those wins to secure the first seed versus we're good, we can rest our like our, rota- our playoff rotation players for, for this game. Like, ideally, we should not be playing anybody significant in that last game against the Magic because we should have the first seed secured. But let's go back to just the idea of, like, the, ce- the floor for Miami being somewhere around 5-5 five and five, and the ceiling for Miami. Um, if you reach, if you can go 8-2 and two in the last 10 games... Like if you just put that as a ceiling, like obviously you want your ceiling to be ten and zero, but a more realistic uh, could be eight and two. Like I could see Miami going eight and two with like losses to the Celtics and the Nets, uh, maybe because those are two really tough teams that are killing it right now. But eight and two, I would put Miami at fifty five wins, and I think about ma- mathematically that pretty much secures that they would have the first seed in the East. And accounting for a floor of 5-5, five and five, the worst the Heat could end up is 5th seed. So at least, you know, they're going to be making the playoffs. So with that in mind, let's take a look at who would be, you know, like the competition then for the 1st seed if the floor would be the 5th seed. So that would obviously be Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, and Bulls. So for the Sixers, Bucks, and Bulls, they are those are teams with 11 games left, meaning that they have an opportunity to make up a little ground on Miami regardless just from having an extra game. However, if we look at the tiebreaker situations, that's where things get a little bit better because Miami, like, we are up 3-0 on the Bulls. Regardless of that last game, if we win or lose it, we have the tiebreaker against the Bulls, meaning the Bulls have to have a better record than us Otherwise, we get the higher seat. So, yeah, right there, Miami has a huge advantage on them. 
But when it comes to the Sixers and Bucks, they less so. So we are tied 2-2 in our season series with both the Bucks and the Sixers, meaning that it goes on to other tiebreakers. Which, to go back, like, Miami lost a really close game against the Bucks where they lost by one point because they just collapsed at the end of the fourth quarter. And then this last game against the Sixers that was just absolutely stolen from the Heat that they should not have let happen, that's where those really come back to bite you because now... Now it's in a situation that has to go on to other tiebreakers. The fortunate part for Miami is that the next tiebreaker after that is conference record and the Heat. Like I, I worked it out, it would it's an extremely unlikely scenario where the Heat and the Sixers or the Heat and the Bucks tie, but the Heat have lost the the ground that they have in terms of the conference record on the Sixers or Bucks. So essentially, to, to in a nutshell, say that. Like, we don't have the tiebreaker in terms of head-to-head record, but we should, like, high probability should have the tiebreaker for conference standings. So that obviously also then goes in our favor because those teams need to have a better record to get ahead of us. So, yeah, even though they have that extra game, like, Miami has some inbuilt advantages over them already. But the one that I specifically left out of that list and the one that I think is the bigger danger to Miami is the Boston Celtics. So Celtics are currently 45 and 28. They're in that group that's uh, tied, like the 2 through 4 group. But where Miami might have a, a bit of a small advantage beyond obviously having uh, being ahead is that the Celtics um, only have nine games left in the schedule versus the Heat having 10. So kind of the opposite scenario. But what the Celtics have over the Heat is that they're already up 2-0 on us in a best-of-three series. So even if we do beat them in that game we have against them, they're still going to own the tiebreaker. So it's mainly about making sure that we have a better record than him. We do already, which is something that's more advantageous to us versus, say, like what the Bulls are in relation to the Heat, where the Bulls, like, they don't have the tiebreaker and they're already behind in the standings. We at least have the advantage of being ahead in the standings. But, yeah, the Celtics are also scorching hot right now. I think they're on a four-game win streak. Like, they've been putting together win streaks since the calendar year. So, depending upon how this next week goes, there is a possibility that the we will, we'll cover this game next week because it'll be after next week's episode. But the Wednesday, March 30th game at the Celtics could decide the first seed of the East, depending upon how things break next week. Because if the floor is 5-5 five and five for Miami and the Celtics can continue to rattle off wins and do maybe something like 7-2, and two, they could catch Miami and then jump ahead but just because of that tiebreaker. So, yeah, I'm going to be keeping an eye on the standings in terms of the Boston Celtics. But with that all said, all Miami really needs to do is just keep focusing on the next game, the next opponent they have in front of them. So looking ahead to the next week, this is a four-game homestand for Miami, which is, like I said, this is the time to capitalize and see if you can have everything about wrapped up before that, you know, that nasty three-game road trip. But for first off, Miami will be hosting the Golden State Warriors on Wednesday. This is a Warriors team that's 47-24, and 24, good for third in the West. So the Grizzlies finally managed to catch up to them. However, the Warriors have been going through, you know, pretty stretch of injury. They were without Clay for a while, then they were without Draymond. Now they're without Steph Curry, which is the big, you know, the advantage for Miami. Another of which is also just resting and kind of like the condition. Like the Warriors, will, this will be the second game of a five-game road trip for them near the end of the season. And they're playing at the Magic tonight. 
So they're going to come in tomorrow, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back on the road versus a Miami Heat team that's at least had one night of rest off Tuesday. So to go back to the point that I was making a little bit earlier about the, how I think the Warriors is a must-win game, between having Steph Curry out, uh, Clay still kind of getting back into form, Draymond recently coming back from injury, and then the, the rest part as well, this should be a winnable game. Like the Not that the Warriors don't have anything to fight for, but the difference of them between being the second and third isn't quite as much as it is for the Heat to be first versus second. Like to, to get into an entirely different side of the bracket is something that the Heat want to avoid at this point. Um, so not that the, again, not that the Warriors won't have a sense of urgency, but just the Heat should have a greater sense of urgency. And then with other things coming to their advantage, this should be a solid win. Like, like you're gonna have to respect Draymond Green on defense and on offense. Definitely, you gotta respect Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is listed as day to day, so he may or may not be there, but. Um, oh, yeah, Gary Payton the second, just because that dude is freakishly athletic. So there are some weapons on offense, but they're missing the engine that makes everything run. Like the Warrior, the, the basis of the Warriors is essentially you had this constantly running, super deep threat marksman and Steph Curry that you had to constantly take into account. So not that the, the pieces there aren't good, but just they're not going to be optimized the way that they normally would be when you have Curry, the engine out there, make sure everything runs. So yeah, so this should be a solid win. After the Warriors, though, uh, the Heat will be hosting the New York Knicks on Friday. This is a terrible New York Knicks team that's 30-41, and 41, good for 12th in the East with no chance of getting to the play-in. Of the pro- well, technically a chance, but mathematically a very small chance of making it to the play-in. But, yeah, Miami has already beaten them 2-0 in a best-of-three series, so it would be fun to sweep the Knicks, just for the old 90s nostalgia. Uh, For the Knicks themselves, they'll be coming to us in the middle of a road trip. They'll be at the Hornets on Wednesday, so they'll be playing Wednesday night off Thursday, and then it'll be at Miami Friday, so really no rest advantage. But for them, in terms of players being out, Derrick Rose, Kimba Walker, Cam Reddish all out, maybe missing Julius Randle, which I don't know if that hurts or helps them. Uh, up to your interpretation, but this is a bad Knicks team. Like, they are bad. They don't really have anything to play for. They already have several players out. Beat them up. Like, this is the other one that's like, win this game. Just win this game. Beat them up. There's no excuse. Keep padding that win column. I wish I had more to say than that, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Like, the, the Heat need to be looking at them like they are a starving beast and the Knicks are just a delicious piece of food for them to just completely devour. And I emphasize that because the next game that the Heat have, they will be hosting the Brooklyn Knicks the following night on Saturday. This is net team that's currently 38 and 34, good for eighth in the East. And currently the Heat, we are up 3-0 in a best of four series against them. So we already have the tiebreaker. That part doesn't really matter. But they're below us in the sta- uh, far enough below us in the standings that we should be fine. Uh, they will be at the Grizzlies tomorrow, so this will be a road trip for them. However, that's like that's their, that's it on Wednesday. They don't play Thursday or Friday, so they'll be coming into Miami, so they'll have a rest advantage. Uh, for players out for them, they'll be without LaMarcus Aldridge, without Ben Simmons, without Joe Harris. Might be without maybe Curry or Drummond, but the big thing for them is that this is a road game, which means they'll have Kyrie Irving available alongside Kevin Durant. And so, uh, remember earlier I mentioned how the Hornets were only a game back on the Nets, which 
if the Nets fall behind the Hornets, they would go to the ninth seed, which is a world of difference in the play-in tournament because then you have to win two games. you got to win the 9-10 matchup and then beat the loser of the 7-8 matchup. Versus if you're the 7-8 matchup, you just got to win that one game and you have the seventh seed. Or if you lose, you get a second shot. So the Nets, like, they already have a sense of urgency. They've pretty much been in kind of like a playoff mode the entire month of March just to keep their head above the water. But they'll be in extra sense of urgency, especially in a game where they'll have Kyrie Irving back. Like, they need to capitalize upon every road game when they have Irving available in order to secure at least a top eight finish. So, yeah, with the rest, with having both Irving and Durant available, I, I do genuinely think the Nets will come out. I don't know if they'll necessarily like blow us out or anything like that, but I do think this is probably a loss just because I think the Nets value... They value every win so much more than where the Heat can get to at the moment. Like, the Heat are fighting for first seed, which is something, but it's not, like, end of the world, get your back against the wall, like where the Nets are right now. So if that ends up being one of the Miami losses, and I mean, honestly, I'd be fine with that. Just don't go out there and get punked. Like, this could still be a team that you're going to have to play in the first round, depending upon how things break. So, like, don't get blown out. Just don't get blown out at home. And then lastly for the week, the Heat will be hosting the Sacramento Kings next Monday. This is the Sacramento Kings team that's 25-48, and 48, good for 13th in the West. This was a team that did beat us way back at the beginning of January when we had everybody injured or in COVID protocols. I can't remember which one at that point. But, yeah, they did beat us. It was one of the worst losses of the season, so maybe we can pay them back. Uh, and this will have some things definitely going in our advantage. Beyond just the Kings being a terrible team, They'll be in the middle of a road trip, so the this will be game three of five for them. They'll have played on Saturday, the same day as us, uh, Sunday off, so there won't be any sort of advantages in terms of rest. However, for the Kings, for this road trip, uh, there's one of the arguably first or second best player, Demonte Sabonis, will be out of the road trip, so they'll be without him. And then their other best player, De'Aaron Fox, is currently listed as day-to-day, so they'll be definitely without one, potentially without both. And which, on top of them being a really bad team already, like, that's why this is also one that I said, Miami, they should win this game. They have the, enough urgency to win this game. And this is a Kings team that pretty much has nothing to play for right now since they're far out of the playing tournament, like, even of that. So, yeah, take this game, win it, and at, at least go three or four this week. So, yeah, well, here we are. We only have... Two more episodes after this before we get to the playoffs. So the dog days of March are almost over, and then soon will come playoff basketball. But that'll be all for this week's episode. Be sure to follow the pod on Twitter at Heaters Heating or myself at KBR Heat Nation. Also check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball on Twitter. I'll be back next Tuesday. So until then, I hope you all have a good one, Heat Nation.